Hey, if you are new, if you're checking Cypress Creek Church out, I want to personally welcome you. My name's Jose. I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor at Cypress, and we are a group of imperfect people who are all on a journey to follow the only perfect Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope that you feel welcome wherever you are in your faith journey. And today, you will leave with a gift. Please take one of these. We've been doing this the last few Advent and Lent seasons. We've made devotionals, written devotionals, and this one's a special one because in times past, we've had some personal stories. This has 40 real resurrection stories from a lot of us in the room that were vulnerable and shared just a piece of their story with us here as we prepare our hearts for the resurrection of Jesus Christ that makes our resurrection story possible. So please take one on Wednesday, start reading. If you grew up uh, like, like me, Lent meant that you give something up. If that's a conviction of yours, still do. It's, there's power there. That's where the, the spiritual discipline of fasting comes in, where you give something up to make room for something. Either way, I encourage you to pick this up, okay? Uh, so if you want to give something up, awesome. Let's all pick this up every morning. Read it with your families and uh, be encouraged, be inspired by what God has done in the lives of uh, this church and has continued to do. So again, free gift, take one home. Um, we will have a lot to go through today through this uh, series that we've been in through the book of Romans called Unashamed. How are, how are you doing this morning? You came back. It's good to see you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, last week we hit one of the most, uh, one of the harder passages of scriptures, and, and we do not shy away from hard passages. We actually lean into them. Because when we lend to difficult passages, then we understand the beauty of why God included them in his holy scriptures, and they teach us a lot about who he is. And so last week, we looked at the problem of sin, and this morning, we're going to look at the solution, which is Jesus being our righteousness. He gave us his righteousness. We're going to get into four points. Here's what I want to talk about, though, before. Here's how I want to set this uh, group of passages up. We're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 3 and in Romans chapter 4, and we're going to look at four ways to grow our faithfulness. We all have faith in something. Uh, we're going to look at this word believe in these passages, the importance and the significance of believing in who Jesus is. And again, we all believe, we all have faith in something. For some of us, maybe before or maybe now, belief was just a statement that you agreed with. Something that was said that you said, yeah, I believe that. You know, I agree with that. Yeah, God, God is real. Jesus is the son of God. I believe that, that he for, forgave me. But there's a difference between believing that with your mind than believing that with your heart and being completely changed by it. That, yeah, I know that Jesus is real because I'm so aware of the stuff that he dealt with that we talked about last week. I'm so aware of my sin. Therefore, I believe that I am forgiven. I believe that I am redeemed. I believe that through Jesus's stripes, through his wounds, I am healed. Where would you say you are 
in your faith? What would you be more with? I agree, more more knowledge based head or 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 no? I believe here in your heart. I hope that after this morning we would make that 18 inch journey from this type of faith, this type of belief. To this one. It's this one that Jesus is after. We're going to read a lot of verses. They're, they're, these verses are, I mean, huge to understanding the whole Bible. And so uh, they may take us a long time to chew and understand. I don't think we'll ultimately, we'll die understanding the depth of their meaning in our life and in this world. So there's no way that we'll get all that today. But I hope again that that after this morning, we would make that transition. For me, I grew up believing in God. I, as far as I can remember, I, believe, I believed that God was real. But then life happened. I, I, I did not grow up coming to church. I, I didn't grow up being surrounded by people that were uh, believing not in Jesus only as Savior, but as the Lord of their life. And so I found myself as a freshman at Texas State University, eat them up cats, where are we at, cats? Eat them up, cats. There you go. We don't have a whoop. We just have a hit or a ha. I don't know. Let's make something up, but let's, let's continue the passion at Texas State because uh, anyway, we need it. Freshmen, I was like many freshmen just exploring independence and enjoying this freedom that I thought freedom was just thinking about what life uh, was all about, exploring uh, different avenues, different ways of living life. And I quickly think God came to the solution that what this world had to offer did not satisfy. It still left me feeling empty, feeling insecure, feeling covered by my fears. And so thanks be to God, someone through this church pursued me, invited me to a community group, and then I started this faithful journey, this journey of following Jesus. And the more that I have followed Jesus, the more that I've realized that it's really him following after me. He's chasing me with his righteousness, with his love, and what we just sang, his amazing grace. And, and that's been the game changer for me. And, and, and now I, I want to continually deepen that belief in God. And so with that said, let's on ramp. We're going to start in uh, Romans chapter 3, 20, and, and then we'll pivot to grace in verse 21. Here's what Paul writes. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So this is uh, the on-ramp from where we were last week to where we are going this week. At the beginning of time, God made, uh, gave God, uh, gave, God gave us a choice. Choose from this tree or that tree. And which tree did we choose? The one that he told us not to eat. This week, I was confronted with the forbidden fruit of Nutella. A Costco ran a deal, and so I had two big Nutella things now in my pantry staring me at the face when I normally go to the almond butter for my toast in the mornings. And, and y'all, every single time I chose Nutella. I mean, I want what's unhealthy for me. It's part of my sinful nature. It starts there, and then it snowballs into really, really unhealthy coping mechanisms called sin that we talked about last week. Just to refresh your memory, if you weren't here last week, you're like, whew, I got away. No, you didn't. Here we go. <laughs> 21. Humanity is depravity, wickedness, evil, greed, 
envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, hating God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventing evil, disobedience of parents, no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Not to mention the sexual immorality that was covered in last week's passage. Y'all, we're all here. This accounts all of us. And what this verse in 320 is saying is that we can't be declared righteous because of this stuff. And, and this stuff, the, the law, the Old Testament is written so that we can know that we are sinful, so that we can know that there's no way for us to earn the salvation by our own merit. That's the problem. We'll never measure up. Thanks be to God. He offered a solution through Jesus. In these next verses, Martin Luther calls chief point, the chief point in the very central place of the epistle of Romans and of the whole Bible. Here's the pivot where we go from law to grace, from, from merit to grace. But now, verse 21, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets Testify. So Paul is saying that the righteousness of God is being revealed. You can't do it a part of the, you can't do it with the law. You can't earn your way to God. Therefore, God revealed his righteousness to which still the law and the prophets testify. So what this is saying that the 39 books of the Old Testament all point to this moment in salvation history when Jesus Came. And so the first point, how do we grow our faithfulness? How do we make this journey from mind to heart? Here's the first one. We, we need to read about God's faithfulness. Again, all the Old Testament, uh, for, for a moment in my faith journey, I thought I'm only going to read the new. I'm not going to read the old. It's just too confusing. It's too, and it is confusing. It's hard to read because it's calling me out. It's speaking to our continual disobedience in God's continual faithfulness despite our disobedience. That's what we read about in, in, in the Old Testament. We read that God said we disobeyed, and, and yet God still pursued. He didn't give up on us through this people group, through uh, the family of Abraham, who we will illustrate in the next point and beyond. Paul talks about him in verse chapter four. Here's, here's a question that I want us to ask ourselves. And again, if some of these verses are, are too heady for us, let, let's really ask these questions of us personally, because I, I, I actually took three of the four of them from this man named John Wesley. He, he was an incredible leader in the church here in America. He started the Methodist denomination. And uh, before he came here, he, he lived in England. And in his university days, he hung out with a crew with a few, with a community group. They called themselves the Holy Club. Now, not because they were holier than thou, but because they were holy, meaning set apart. They wanted to do life different. And so they posed 22 questions that they would ask each other every day. I took three of them for this message. Here is one. Do I give the Bible time to speak to me daily? See, when we read about God's faithfulness over and over and over not only are we reading information, stories, we're memorizing sequence of events, but we realize at some point that the Bible is actually reading us. It's convicting us. 
And so when we read the Bible, is it, is it alive in our lives? Is it impacting the way that we live? If so, that's the key to growing in faithfulness. Let's keep reading in verse 22. This righteousness is given, not earned, through faith in Jesus Christ to, I would circle this, all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. So this righteousness is apart from the law, even though the law testifies to God's righteousness and to Jesus. But now this righteousness is given, meaning it cannot be earned. There is no way that we can merit God's love. There is no way that we can be approved by God because of our behavior. The only way is through faith in Jesus to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Paul, again, is uniting these two people groups of the time. There were these Jewish folks who actually started this church in Rome, and then they were actually expelled from the city. Um, they, they were moved out, and so the Gentile, the non-Jewish population grew. They were a majority of the church. Jews came back, and, and so there was some tension there, and Paul is saying, hey, the, the, the level, the level playing playing field, thank you, is leveled now. Jesus came for all. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you've done. In Jesus, we now have been given righteousness. And it's so important to recognize the significance of this gift. Again, it's not something that we can earn. A couple weeks ago, we looked at this word righteousness, that righteousness is something that God is, and it's something that God has, and he chooses to give it to us. We can't obtain it outside of it being given to us. It is being imputed to us. So we now, in God's eyes, are righteous only because God gave us his righteousness. And uh, the, through, through these weeks, I've been hanging out with my friend Carl, who's a Bible translator. Some of you guys know uh, Carl Fallingstad. Uh, he does amazing work, has done amazing work all throughout the world. And, and Romans is so vast that he's been kind enough to meet with me. And so I've thrown out some things and he's like, hey, that, that's a bad idea. Don't, don't, don't say that. And then he, he's given me some, hey, th think about it this way. And so it's been really helpful. One of the things that he taught me here this last week, he worked with a group in Nigeria called the Tiap people, and they see it twofold. They see belief, uh, believing in God um, in two ways. One is giving truth to something. That's one word for believe. I give truth. I give fact. I, I give, again, agreement to a statement. And there's a second type of belief that is I give my neck to it. I believe in it so much that I'm willing to risk my life for it. That's the type of belief that Paul is talking about here, who all, to all who believe because this righteousness has been given. Let's, let's read about Abraham. We're going to flip to chapter four, and then we'll come back and finish the statement in chapter three. Is that okay if we bounce around? Because it, it makes this point that we cannot earn, we can only be given God's righteousness. So in 4 verse 1, Paul writes, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, he was the beginning point of, of God's redemption through God's 
people, the Israelites, Abraham was the patriarch, our forefather, according to the flesh discovered in this matter. If in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed. He, he gave his neck to it continually. God, Abraham, we'll, we'll talk about some of the scenes in Abraham's life where he did not give in. He, he messed up, but he got back up and continued to believe. And so, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. That's how our society works. It's a meritocracy. If you work, you will receive wages. You have earned your pay. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Y'all, this is incredible that God would give us his righteousness, that we would get credit for something that we didn't do. My third year of university, I went abroad. I studied abroad. And in that university, uh, our three-hour credits, right, college students, that's how many credits are in a class normally, right, three or four. Well, our classes there were 1.5 for some weird reason. Same amount of time spent in class, but they were 1.5. I came over, and I was saying, yeah, I did this and this and that. I got double the credit for those classes. It was unbelievable. And the reason why that was such a big deal is because I graduated, thanks to that. I graduated in four years. Otherwise, it would have taken me a little longer because uh, I had a great time traveling throughout Europe. That's you know, another story for another day. But bottom line is I got credit for something that on paper shouldn't have happened. I only did 1.5 and I got three hours. Eat them up, cats. So <laughs> here he, he, God is saying there's no way that you can earn. He, here's the question that I want to ask us for this point. So I try to prove myself to God or others. Sometimes we, we try so hard to settle our, you know, to, to, to show others, man, I'm, I'm doing work, I'm, I'm trying hard, and, and the reason why we burn out is because we don't receive something that has been given to us for free. We don't need to prove ourselves to God. We, we don't need to be anything that we're not. The change comes from this gift of receding. Let's see how, how, how did he do this? How did he make the unrighteous righteous? Here we go. In um, no, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So the how is through this redeeming work. Literally, that, that word redemption means to purchase back. He has bought us. In that, in that time in Rome, there were a lot of slaves. And, and so this would have really resonated with the Romans, that when you redeem a, a slave, you purchase him. And so in this context, we were slave to sin. We, we, were, we couldn't help it. But now God has purchased us. And now we're actually called to be slaves to Jesus, to, to believe in him and to follow him and to allow him to change our entire lives. This all have sinned and fall short. All means all. And all are justified freely by the grace through the redemption of Christ. All means 
Oh, y'all, this is the most inclusive statement in the history of the world that we are all welcome to belong, to receive, and to be redeemed by our creator who sent his son to purchase us back. Isn't that good news? Anybody in the room feel the passion and the weight of what God did for us? Again, we're talking about this type of belief. I want to make this point, and then we'll dig deeper into what that redemption required. We need to reflect. How do we grow our faithfulness? Here's the third point. Reflect on the price of God's redemption. That price was hefty. Sometimes we think free grace, like all I need to do is just believe. Okay, yes, it's true. But let's not just receive the gift without recognizing the price. Have you ever gone to dinner with somebody and then they make the infamous statement? Hey, I forgot my wallet. Can you cover me? Sometimes if you're a Mimas, no big deal. But if, but if you're at Fogo de Chao, oof, you better really love that friend. No problem, man. I got you. That's what, that's what God is doing, and that's what he talks about here in verse 25. I would, if I would encourage us to memorize a scripture, it would be this verse right here. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. That's a mouthful that means this. British theologian John Stott said, this is the righteous basis on which the righteous God can righteous the unrighteous without compromising his righteousness. He is perfect. He remained perfect. That's why Jesus came to be the perfect sacrifice that our check needed to be paid for, and he paid it in full once and for all. The Day of Atonement was a big theme in the Old Testament where one day out of the year, there was a blameless sheep that was brought to the temple, the holiest of holies, and on an altar, that sheep was sacrificed and the blood would literally cover over the sins of Israel for the whole year. And that foreshadowed Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, being sacrificed once and for all, to cover our sins, just like the Passover, when uh, the people of God were coming out uh, and, and God said, hey, uh, sacrifice the lamb, put blood on the gate, on, on, on your doors, and that way when the angel of death comes, he will pass over your house. You will be protected. You will be covered by the blood of that lamb. That is what Jesus is for us. He is our protector. He has covered our sin question for us, is Jesus real to me? Is that price a real number? If not, check out that list on the ccc.guide, the sin list, read the Bible for a little, and allow the Holy Spirit to convict you. The more we are aware of our sin, the, the easier it is to be aware of his grace in our lives. 
if we just stay in the, in the sin category, then that heaps shame on us. I knew I couldn't do it. I will never measure up. No, no, no. We are more than conquerors in Christ because of what he has done for us. He sees us through Jesus. We have been fully covered. We can stay there all day, but I need to move on. Verse 27, where then is boasting? It is excluded because of what law? The law that requires works. No, because of the law that requires faith, for we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So we cannot boast in anything that we have done. There's no way for us to earn God's favor. And so uh, maybe you, you are sitting here, you're like, okay, I got, I got all of that, but you have no idea how far I am from God. You have no idea my history. You have no idea my doubts. You have no idea how you know, vast the distance is between me and God. I would encourage you this morning to press the restart button. Restart and keep the faith. It's like, you know, when something goes wrong and you're trying to fix it, usually an electronic of some sort, then you call the helpline and then you're like, hey, I've tried this and this and this. And then they ask, have you tried rebooting it? Have you, have you just tried pressing the restart button? You're like, I never thought of that. And it's like that in our faith sometimes. Again, we get so carried away. Well, I've gone so far. I've changed so much. And we just forget, man, we can just restart. And, and, and we can just receive grace and we can just carry on and keep the faith as we grow in faithfulness. That's what Abraham did. Two episodes that I want to highlight as we close. Number one, he, had, uh, he was afraid of people. And he came up to this group led by this man, Abimelech, and his wife, Sarah, was beautiful. And so he was afraid that they would take her different times, okay? And, and they would take her. And, and so he lied. And he said, she's not my wife. She's my sister. And so they uh, uh, took her because he thought if they, were, if, if they knew that she was my wife, they're going to take her anyway. They're going to kill me. All right? Again, different times. And uh, Sarah goes, thank God, in his mercy and his grace, God speaks to Abimelech. Nothing happens. Sarah comes back to Abraham. Man, Abraham didn't stand up for his wife. Abraham was not the man of the household that God calls us men to be. He was people pleasing. The second is that then uh, God gave him a promise. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a son through your wife, Sarah, this wife. And then uh, a lot of time happened and Sarah hadn't born him a child. And so Sarah got impatient and said, hey, I'm done waiting. Why don't you have a child with my slave? And uh, therefore, we can continue this promise that way. Bad move. Again, Abraham gives in. So he is imperfect. And yet, let's read these verses. Verse 18 of chapter 4. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. And so became the father of many nations. Did he behave? Mm -mm. But he believed just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be without weakening in his face. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. And he was an old man since he was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as 
righteousness. He didn't do anything. It was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Whew, that is also true for us. What, what was true for Abraham all those thousands of years ago is true for you and I in Wimberley, Texas today. Just amazing. Abraham stayed the course, and uh, there was one final test, and it was this um, commandment when God said, hey, this, this son that I promised you, uh, I now want you to take him up to this mountain, Mount Moriah, and uh, I want you to sacrifice him. And um, Abraham looked, knew what he needed to do, and uh, he knew that God would come through. He, didn't know, he did not know how, but, but he just obeyed because of faith, because of trust. He was willing to give his neck to it. He was willing to sacrifice his only son. Y'all, I would not sacrifice my son. I'm just being honest with y'all for somebody. I wouldn't do it, but Abraham was willing to do it. And right before he killed his son, God provided a lamb or a goat, depending on your translation. And that foreshadowed God not withholding his son from being sacrificed for you and for me. Beautiful. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for being that perfect lamb for being that perfect sacrifice for us. I pray that this would sink into our hearts, that these words that were written all those years ago would be vibrant in our lives, would change and transform us to become more like you. This world needs you, Jesus. And you know, and we know that you've called us to be your image bearers, your representatives. And so I pray that we would take this to heart. Maybe it's pressing that restart. And, and, and or maybe it's starting and saying yes to you for the first time this morning, surrendering it all to you, knowing that this world does not satisfy, that only you and you alone satisfy. And if that's you, I want to welcome you to say these words right where you are. If you are ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, all God is looking for is that posture of surrender and confessing with your mouth. Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that he has been raised from the dead and saying, yes, I believe that you, Jesus, are who you say you are. I give my life to you. In Jesus name. And then this message reveals that there's very little that we can do by our own strength. We need God's righteousness and, and we need one another. So let's continue to live life together as we pursue the only perfect one. I thank you, Father for what you have done for us. It's in your name I pray.